0: You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit creeksidecommunity.org. Two mic check one two. <clears throat> That's better. My name is Lita, and if we haven't yet met, uh, I am. We are a church plant that you have been sponsoring for the past four years uh, down in Fremont. And it's just a joy to be here today. Um, I'm just really grateful for you. Uh, you guys have enabled a, a gospel activity and movement, not just in the city of Fremont, but in my heart, in the heart of my family, and our community, and in our neighborhood, which hopefully today, you'll see a little bit more why I'm so grateful for you. Um, <clears throat> so a little bit about my family. Um, we just had a baby uh, six months ago, so uh, thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> uh uh baby mama will come to second service uh and so uh she will be bringing them here to, to say hi and and also uh th- say thank you to uh, his name is Everett and he is a um, he is a joy yeah a lot of fun <laughs> a lot of fun yeah coffee is good praise god for coffee <laughs> but yeah after you know after 7 years of Miscarriages, loss. We were foster parents for season two, and after seven years of just okay, God, this is not for us. Um, And then Him, all of a sudden, giving us two boys that are healthy, rambunctious, crazy, just like their old man. It's, it's really. I'm really grateful, and it's a, it's a sweet season. It's a difficult season, but it's a, it's a good season, and I'm really grateful for, for you, uh, your church, your staff, your leadership, Pastor Jeff, Pastor John. Uh, your elders for um, really getting behind us, loving us, supporting us through the thick and thin of the years. So a little bit of context for uh, the passage today in Luke 14, uh, Jesus is eating at a house of a Pharisee in this story that we're gonna look at. And he notices how some people pick the best seats of the house. So he starts to see people picking seats and saying, okay, I see you, you're picking that seat, you're picking that seat, just like at the Warriors game, I saw E40 yesterday sitting somewhere in the courtside area. Not really courtside, but kind of behind. I think I kicked out in halftime or something like that. We should have had that win, by the way. We really should have had that win. <sighs> kind of down about that right now. <clears throat> and Jesus starts to talk about some kingdom principles. And, and, um, and, and rejecting praise and giving to the poor. And then he launches into some stories in Luke chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. So I'll read that for you. And you can have that up on the slide too. Uh, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he, Jesus, said to him, a man once gave a great banquet. And invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Everybody say the word excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said to him, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I go out to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I can't come. So the servants came, and he reported these things to the master. So they were invited to a banquet, but they just gave excuses. And if you look at it a little bit more closely, they're actually not the best excuses, to be honest. Because, you know, the guy with the field, he's like, you know, i got to go check out this field I just bought. But who would buy a car without driving it first? Right? Why is why is he inspecting it after he bought it? Right? It's kind of a weird excuse. Or even with the ox, I gotta go test out my ox. Like, don't you want to know the product before you buy it? Why did you buy it and then be like, oh, let me make sure these ox can walk straight? Um, what about the marriage thing? Uh you know that's a tricky one. You know if you're sp- <laughs> if your spouse is just tolerating you go to church. Should you be marrying that person? Just want to put that out there. So what does the host do with all these excuses? Then the master of the house became, <laughs> I can just imagine right now a couple here and there just like looking at each other. I kind of feeling awkward all of a sudden. I don't want you to feel awkward. I'm glad you're in, in, in church today. I'm glad you're worshiping with us. Then the the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done and still there's room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. God, I thank you for inviting us to your banquet. Uh, We are deserving of your banquet, but you invite us still. I pray that we would dine upon your word this morning and be filled to continue with fire in our bellies to bring more invitations to others to enjoy your grace at your banqueting table. Amen. So the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame Go to the highways? These are dangerous places. This is where you get robbed, right? Good Samaritan story. They were traveling in the highway. This is where burglars hung out and thieves and criminals. But before we get to the literal poor, my first point I'd love to encourage you with is to apply this to you and I, is to understand that the banquet begins with you. Just turn to your neighbor real quick and say, the banquet begins with you. My wife taught me that this story is a beautiful picture of all the parts that you and I have and that God invites to the banquet. The parts of you that are poor. The parts of you and I that are crippled and blind and lame. The parts of you and I that want escape in lust or want to hide our feelings in shame that is invited to the banquet. The parts of you and I that are reviled, outcast, and criminal is invited to the banquet. The part of me that yelled at my son this week, you did that one more time! Sorry, I'm just gonna keep that under wraps right now, is invited to the banquet. The parts of me that are anxious and addicted and worried and depressed are invited to the banquet. Family, we are loved to the degree we are known. And we are only fully loved when we are fully known. My first point in today's sermon is this, the banquet begins with you, but it's all of you. It's all the parts that you and I hide from God in shame and fear and think nobody wants, nobody loves, or nobody cares for. As one of my mentor, Ryan Kwan, says that someone... Far from God. You may be sitting here thinking, but you don't know that part of me. You don't know that sin in me. You don't know that part. No, the truth is you don't know what Jesus has done. It's not that Jesus doesn't know what you've done. You don't know what Jesus has done. On the cross, he took your shame. He took your sin. He took the lowest of the low. And he put it on himself and he died in your place. And he gives you righteousness for anyone that would believe, would not perish, but have eternal life. The first part is this, that the banquet starts with you. And that includes all of you. The parts that you've hidden. Imagine that you have a dream and you're climbing this high mountain. And the valley before you, behind you, is where you grew up. And that's where you've experienced pain. That's where you've experienced trauma and made mistakes. And you're trying to leave this place by ascending this summit where you'll be with God. And as the summit comes into view, the wind rising from the valley brings with it the sound of a crying child out in distress. And you realize you have to go back down to help this child, help the cries that you hear. And so you go back down the mountain, you find the home that you grew up in, and you open the door, and you see that child in the corner of the room sitting, sitting there by himself, herself, and that's when you see your wounded self, your child that's sitting there crying, wounded, the part of you that feels powerlessness, brokenness, and shame, and you end up sitting down next to this child, and you put your arm around them, And then you see Jesus arrive. You see Jesus come ministering to this person. And as you do this, you suddenly realize that you are on the lofty summit of union with God. Family, the way to God and lasting peace isn't by ignoring that part of you that's hurting or mourning or lonely. Or pushing through and being strong or distracting that anxiety with social media and screens and busyness. The way to God and lasting peace is by bringing the parts of you that are poor and crippled and blind and lame to God. And allowing his love to wash exactly those parts of you you thought he doesn't like. What sin or toxic behavior or addiction have you been hiding from God and others? What anxiety or worry and fear is God inviting you to name before him and safe company so he could pour his healing love over it? What loss, pain, and grief that you could bring before the throne room of grace that you could allow God to comfort? My first point is this. The banquet begins with you. And this story is a beautiful reminder that includes the poor parts of you, the crippled parts of you, the blind parts of you, the parts of you that you feel shame over. Jesus wants it all. He doesn't want your strength. He wants your brokenness. So my second point is this, that the banquet ends with them. The banquet starts with you, but it ends with them. In the <laughs> well, you know, this banquet story is really great because, you know, we hear excuse after excuse and we hear these people pushing back this invitation to this banquet. And they give lots of excuses. You know, in the family, in the past four years of church planting, I've heard lots of excuses. A lot of no's. Actually, the most, um, 95%, 98% no's. People with busy lives. People that are uninterested in the things of God. Um, Like my gym friend, Mike, who says, I don't need church. And my neighbor, uh, he says, you know what? There's just no value in that. Or uh, uh, my friend who I played basketball with, he says, you know, I I don't need God to tell me to be a good person. I know how to be a good person by myself. Hundreds of no's through the years. Like my buddy, uh, Justin, who, when I invited him a couple of weeks ago to, we do a, a, a Bible study in the gym lobby, he says, you know, I, I'm, I'm golfing, I'm busy. And other people who have said no thanks are just giving me radio silence. But what these people had in common, if I think about it, was wealth. They were fine. They were just fine. They could pay the bills, they could put food on the table and keep mortgage But what we've been experiencing is that when we invite the literal poor and poor in spirit, we've been seeing response. And because of you, Creekside, and because of our greater network of supporters, uh, we've been able to give away $50,000 to families in need since 2020. We've been able to pay down rent, buy cars, buy supplies and food for refugees and homeless and when we give stuff, it's not about the stuff. The resource is an invitation to relationship. And while many people are, we help are forced to move out of the area eventually, and we aren't able to develop relationship with them, some of them stay and are now a part of our spiritual community that's forming. M here, who lives in her car, we bought her um, um, uh, some supplies, some food. We helped her with some stay uh, in a hotel to give her back and her body some break from the car she's living in. She's been coming to our church off and on now, uh, an unhoused person, and um, she stays after during lunch when we finish and In our house, we meet in our house as a house church and does our dishes in our kitchen and and we have conversations about God and life and faith. Um, P over here who uh, lost her job in retail, as you go to the next slide, also um, lives in her car and we, um, an unhoused person, um, we bought, we realized that she didn't live with a heater in her car in in the winter recently, was really cold, so we bought her this van And um, this actually was the mechanic who fixed up the van and built a new engine for it. So he stood behind it. He actually was a bivocational pastor himself for some time. Uh, That was totally a God thing that he brought our paths together. And now she, uh, I could at least temporarily live with some heat as she sleeps through cold nights. And she came to our church. We broke bread together or Jay over here is a single mom before we brought her to um, Target for uh, a $1,000 shopping spree, um, and she has two sets of twins. Um, it's... Uh, pff, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but her kids saying... Um, you know, when we took her on the shopping spree, kids were just elated, saying, this is the best day, as they picked out toys. And when she brings her kids to our house church, each one of us take one of her babies and we hold it in our arms as we sit in our living room talking about Jesus, about life, about faith, passing the babies around, uh, her four-month-old babies. They were recently in the hospital, and, and uh, she, uh, they are, are doing better now. But uh, found she found out that they had a congenital a heart defect that we need to start praying for a little bit more. Um, this other family, M and N, we, we met. You like my hair there? I like my hair a lot there. Uh, we... <laughs> and goodness gracious. What, what is a haircut? Iranian immigrants that have no family in the Bay Area... And have told us after a couple years of hanging out with them, uh, my wife met their wife on the Facebook moms group, and we've just been just kept inviting them. Let's do dinner. Let's hang out. And after a couple years, this is two years ago, um, uh, they've t- they, they they told us you know you guys are our only friends. And they've started to come to church, like Iran, Iranian immigrants that are, are Muslim. And uh, they've been to church four times in a row now. And, and last Sunday, two Sundays ago, they are like, so this is great, but aren't, aren't we all the same? Like Muslims and Christians and Buddhists, aren't this? And it it. And it, I, I actually got to speak directly to that question in, in, our, in our circle, in our living room. Something I learned from Pastor John was, you know, actually the difference between the world religions and Christianity is the word between do and don't is that all the religions in the world tell you to do right in Islam it's the five pillars of faith and in it's in Buddhism it's be a good person and give back to the world so you can you can escape this pattern of reincarnation Right? In Judaism, it's, it's the laws and it's following the dietary, sabbatical and circumcision laws and all these things about do, 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 do to work your way up to heaven like as if there's a ladder you can climb to be with God. But Christianity is the only one that says, you know, it's already done. Jesus already built that ladder and climbed down to us. And actually it's doing done, not doing doing do done. It's already done. And Jesus did it on the cross so we can be with God. So there's actually a very big difference between all the world religions and Christianity. And, and it's not like, you know, they were like, oh, praise the Lord! How, may I, how do I get baptized and throw me in the river? You know, so you just they just listened and nodded their head. You know, and, but we just continue to have conversation. They invited me to dinner. They invited our family over to dinner the next week. It's just continuing to sow seeds and opportunity to have... In relationship with people that would never step foot into a church, but we bring the church to them. Um, or uh, my friend A here, who is uh, comes to our he, again. He's uh, you know an, uh, a Muslim who uh, you know grew up in Fremont who. Largely discontent with the money and tech-driven people of Silicon Valley, he's been coming to our church for the past three months. Just with, like without fail, every Sunday, you know he's going to be there. He's eating lunch with, uh, with my boy here. They've been, become fast friends, and now he's fasting for Ramadan. Yet he brings donuts for us every Sunday. <laughs> And, like, and groceries for our family and, and food for us. And stays behind an hour every Sunday in our house. And we just like talk about God and the difference between Islam and Christianity and justification and sanctification. All these things that we have misconceptions about each other. And he was telling me just last week how his perception of Christians is like, ah, you guys are just like the whatever people. Like, you guys are safe. You're in heaven, so whatever. I was like, yeah, I think some of us do live that way, actually. We're like, we're safe, whatever. You know, we just go to church, listen to a sermon. How was the sermon? Yeah, whatever. Go home. You know, drink our coffee. But actually, you know, and I get to share, this is is so true what you're saying, your, your your perception. But God, we've been saved by grace for good works, so we can live a life transformed. Family, when we started off church planting, I had something in mind. I had like this picture, I guess, of like the website glossy photos. Of like these young couples in skinny jeans and artisan coffee, you know, with the great big city events and the mayor handing over the key to the city to that church planter who did the crazy great things, and this has not been that like at all. But this is beautiful. Our our house every Sunday is. It's beautiful. I I took this this picture we have we put up surveillance cameras so uh you know I can take little sneaky pictures every now and then of our people and and it's just it it doesn't feel at all of that like church planting shine. But these are like real relationships that are forming with people that we would never expect relationship with of all backgrounds, socioeconomic status, ethnicity, and religion, and worldview. And it's just so real, and it's so raw, but it's it's so beautiful. Family, the, the banquet begins with us. But it ends with them. And it's in the midst of them I experience more of God. Isaiah 58, 6-9 to says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard then you will call and the Lord will answer you will cry for help and he will say here am I you know right before this teaching of the banquet Jesus says in verse 12 when you give a dinner or a banquet don't invite your friends or brothers or relatives or rich neighbors lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the, the, lame and the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they can't repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Um, you know, we eat lunch every Sunday. We provide lunch. And I look across the table Sundays and I just feel like I'm being repaid right then and there. Every, every time we're together. God is with us, he provides for our needs, and that's more than enough for me. At the end of our lives, I don't think anyone is going to think, I'm glad I spent more time in the office. At the end of our lives, I don't think anyone's gonna think, I'm glad I kept up with every iPhone model. At the end of our lives, I don't think everyone, the people are gonna think, I'm glad I can name every single bachelor in bachelor history. At the end of our lives, I don't think people will think, I'm glad I played it safe so nothing in my house broke. Or I'm glad I took my kid to every single sports practice and game and tournament under the sun. Well, that one hit a nerve right there. You all will cry in that one. But on the contrary, at the end of our lives, I think we're going to think, I'm glad we missed some games to serve together as a family. I'm glad we took in that foster child or became a respite family. I'm glad I didn't just have my family and friends over but hosted people that can literally never pay me back. I'm grateful to have given myself and my money away because when I gave myself away, I got more of God in return. Family, I learned that a step I take towards my calling Is actually a step closer taken towards the one who calls that's from Oz Guinness so closing questions for you is the banquet begins with you do you believe that the broken parts of you are invited to enjoy God to enjoy grace do you believe that the parts of you that feel shame And feel powerlessness, the addiction, the anxiety, the depression. That very part of you is invited into God's throne room of grace. And the second question is the banquet ends with them. How can you invite those in the margins to experience God's banquet? How is God inviting you to move from a recipient of grace to an instrument of it? I took a look at your website real quick. You have There's so many opportunities that your Pastor Jeff and your staff have set up for you with Foster the City, Alpha Pregnancy Center, Cross Streets, Harbor House, IJM, or just that person that you cross by on the street every day. How is God inviting you to join what he's doing in San Leandro and the Greater Bay Area? Father, I pray right now as we prepared to leave here, we'd first realize this truth that we are invited to this banquet. And there's people here, myself included, that feel shame, that feel that dark part of my body and my soul and my heart is uninvited because it's just not good enough, not holy enough, not pure enough, not right enough. But Jesus Remind us of what you did on the cross. Remind us that our sin is paid for in full. And that means our entire being is invited to this banquet. All of our parts, all of us can now receive your grace and find healing and wholeness, restitution and restoration in your presence. And Father, as we experience wholeness and healing, we pray that this banquet would now extend to those in the margins, to people we would never think to invite. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, even the criminal. Father, that we would find that your greatest work of redemption is happening in the places we least expect it. And that every step we take towards the margins and every step we take towards the calling you've placed in our lives is actually steps closer to the one who calls. You are there. And you're inviting us to join you. In Jesus' name, amen.